Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark, two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you. Write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. Previously on Digital Dissection, we talked to Gavin Hammond. Joe, do you remember Gavin? Yeah. Um, he was the guy who was in front of all of the really, really cool toys I was eyeing up the whole time. <laughs> and also had actually you know, an actual pretty cool life story and how he got into doing what he was doing. But yeah, also, awesome toy collection. Very jelly. Yes. One of the best <laughs> toy collections I think I have ever witnessed in my life. Mm-hmm. Very happy to have seen and... And met the gentleman that's going to be part of the game that we're actually doing part of our retro review on yeah. today. Because, man, you know, this is one of those games that we did actually talk about in season one. For those of you mm-hmm. who listened to our side stitches back in the day, uh, we we briefly got into The Walking Dead by Telltale, but not in the level of depth we're going to mm. today. No, so. no, no, no. And even when we say even the level of depth we're going in today, we could go further. We could go deeper. We could enhance more. Because as it turns out, there are multiple episodes to this game. But today, we're sticking to just one. Something that hopefully uh, can get you hooked on, or at least maybe interested in, playing this series if you haven't checked it out yet. Because I would highly, highly recommend doing so. I may have binged several episodes in one sitting until an undisclosed time in the morning. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was part of what's funny about that is that after you got done playing that, uh, mm-hmm. I came downstairs and I was like, Mark noticed you played three out of five episodes in one night. <laughs> 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 pretty, pretty impressive. I must say, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and yeah. I, I, you know, and imagine that this is definitely me out of my video gaming prime. There was a time where it would have been five out of five episodes and a full on no sleep till Brooklyn scenario. But, <laughs> but I'm basically in video game retirement home and could only do three out of five. Oh yeah, I know, I know. Stamina just you just lose it in, in every yeah. possible way as you get older. Mm-hmm. And vi- video games is definitely one of those patience based things that I just do not have. The same amount for anymore, you know? No. But, yeah, much different mm-hmm. than the year that The Walking Dead Season 1 by Telltale Games came out, which would have been... I mean, don't 20... say it. Don't well, say it. <laughs> ah, it's so long ago. <laughs> yes. It, yes, The Walking Dead by Telltale Games recently celebrated its 10-year anniversary. Oof. Yeah, that, that stings. That's, that is one year of me being done with college. <laughs> and that's, wow. that's how long ago this was. Whew. Yeah, that's, and, and that's yeah. what we've been doing with these retro reviews because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, we go back 25, 30 years and you're like, yeah, of course it's a long time ago. Yeah, of course, yeah, no big deal. No, no, yeah. 10. 10 is personal. That's almost like an attack. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, I was still in my athletic prime. Out of that, by the way. Yeah. Like I, it's definitely hit this age, and you used to wonder why, like, um, like you know, professional athletes were retiring in their mid thirties. You're like, what, what sissies these people are? What, what weaklings they are? They have such a cush, great life. They get to play a game and make millions. And then you realize, no, no, their bodies hurt a lot. They hurt a lot in their mid thirties, and they ravage them for our entertainment. And by all means, please retire. You, you, you've got it. It's okay. Uh, it is I. I who was the fool, not you. <laughs> Just like a box <laughs> of, uh, of f- long expired, like graham crackers, Joe. Y- your body just becomes dust, <laughs> and and this, mm-hmm. 
And the, and the, honestly, the year 2012, it doesn't seem that far back. But 2012 was an interesting year, Joe. Do you yeah. remember why? Can you can you tell me why 2012 was very significant? Well, I believe we dodged an apocalypse because there was a group of people um, called, I believe, the, the Mians who made this <laughs> calendar. And we thought that for some reason, because the calendar stopped, that must have meant the world was ending as opposed to they ran out of room on the big circular stone they were carving things onto. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, the Mayan apocalypse was supposed to happen. Uh, I believe this was the year that... Sorry, need a moment. It was the year we lost the macho man Randy Savage. Oh, no. Bones saw we... himself. <laughs> he got three minutes of playtime with that Mayan Jeez. calendar. And he stopped yeah. the apocalypse all on his own. <laughs> all joking aside, love oh. us the Macho Man. For, I mean, forever, like, gone but not forgotten. Gone but not yeah. forgotten, the Macho Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But just like Macho Man said to Spider-Man, for the next 55 to about an hour, we're going nowhere. <laughs> okay. But, yes, the Mayan encounter was one of those things. Yes, we lost the Macho yep. Man. But there's also a very significant pop culture thing that happened in 2012. Ah. Mm-hmm. Marvel's Avengers came out in theaters. Yes. A movie that proved that if you use a lot of other movies as backstory for all of your characters, you can have a damn good time in that movie when they all come together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, breaking box office records, kind of mm-hmm. cementing the success of that phase one of Marvel, the MCU. And it's hard to yes. believe, dude, that was... That was 2012, man. I mean, it's unbelievable. It it is. It feels like the MCU has become such like a juggernaut of films, uh, which, you know, they can't be yet because they don't have the rights to that character. But uh, (laughs) they've been doing it so well for so long that we just kind of almost, it almost just seems like it's always been there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when we put it into perspective of when the first Avenger Avenger movie hit, um, you can also see why, like, you know what? Maybe this is why some of those actors don't want to play the characters anymore because they've been doing it for 10 plus years and they're ready to try something new. Maybe let them live their lives and stuff. I don't know. I'm just a dude with a podcast. So, (laughs) well, imagine if you've been dieting and like, you know, the Greek 300 workout, you know, every single day. Just don't think I could quite handle that. I'm too mm-hmm. too soft for that, Joe. I'm yeah. Not built for mm-hmm. that anymore. No, ain't nobody, <laughs> ain't nobody built for that. No, yes. no. Mm-hmm. But in other but, news, yeah. we also had you know video games coming out quite a bit during this time. Uh, one of which we also had as our first retro review on this show with Assassin's Creed Three coming out in the same year. Yeah, absolutely. The The top five games of 2012 did include Assassin's Creed 3, which uh, obviously is a favorite between the two of us. But mm-hmm. this was also the year that Call of Duty Black Ops came out. We also uh, got yes. Madden, Madden NFL 13, Halo number 4, as you mentioned, Assassin's Creed 3, and Just Dance 4. Those are the top five best-selling games of that year. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be asking yourselves, if The Walking Dead by Telltale was a great game, how did it not crack the top five? That's what happens when the game comes out in November. <laughs> yeah, it does make it difficult to catch up on a whole year's worth of sales when it comes yes. in in literally the 11th hour. That's correct. Yes. Uh, Telltale The Walking Dead did not come out until November of that year. And what folks who haven't played a Telltale game game may not know is they do come out in an episodic format. So you can't actually buy the full game typically when they came out on release day. Uh, which is no longer possible because Telltale Games, you know, kind of went bankrupt. Yep. Now they're she back. Gone. Yeah. Is she back? <laughs> they're back-ish because they are they are making games again. So it's kind of interesting that within the time period that The Walking Dead Season One came out, <laughs> the company went bankrupt, restructured, and now they're back again. Mm-hmm. So crazy. Yeah. And if happens. you if you have not listened to the Gavin episode, uh, Gavin Hammond episode yet, you really should go back because he does fill in some insight into just some of the craziness of working for a game developer as they're going under and how like literally they were told in the middle of recording characters like, Oh yeah, by the way, 
there's no more money we need to stop so yes. if you have not listened to that yet you don't need to stop this one now but go back uh at some point in time in the near future and check that one out absolutely it was a fun time we absolutely enjoyed ourselves and mm-hmm. hopefully gavin did too i think he did yeah I felt like he did mm-hmm. <laughs> I I think he had a lot of fun, but I mean, looking more at Telltale, so uh, looking at that kind of like the original run of video games, because I I know me personally, I didn't play a lot of Telltale. Um, I think I've only played three, like, I guess, series in the Telltale games. Um, So obviously this one, since I've gotten through a good chunk of it. Uh, Batman and uh, Tales from the Borderlands are the only ones I've gotten oh, to. Yes. yes, none of which were the original run. I, I, I take it back. This is obviously part of the original run. But yeah. uh, what are some of the other greats from the series that came out uh, before and slightly after Walking Dead? Yeah, Telltale Games mm-hmm. had been uh, kind of rose out of the ashes of Lucas uh, Arts. Okay, so Lucas Arts that made some of the original point and click games adapted movies that were specifically made by George Lucas. Well, these folks kind of had nowhere to go as the first person shooter kind of rose to prominence, right? Mm-hmm. And as that happened, these employees would end up founding Telltale Games and really kind of looking back to that whole adventure game, graphic adventure game format, right? So out of that came adaptations of original stories for Jurassic Park, We've got Back to the Future. And unfortunately, we've got Crime Scene Investigation, a.k.a. CSI. Got to say, Joe, yeah, it's a punishment to play that game. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, really, like, you would think of all of the genres, like, like all of, like, the, the series and the stories that they are pulling from for the Telltale games, CSI and Point and Click should make sense. It's a matter of, like, going around looking for clues, putting the bigger, larger story together, and it should just fit. But I'm guessing that it misses the mark. Now, for those of you... For those of you that are listening to the audio-only program, Joe just pulled a, a CSI Miami with a pair of sunglasses... <laughs> Yeah, watch the video if you're interested to yep. see that. Yes. But, but it's honestly, it's yeah, the tr- yeah. Mm-hmm. it's the truth. It didn't work. CSI did not work. They made a couple CSI games, and I did sample a lot of this early catalog because it didn't just stop there. They did things like Monkey Island, uh, Sam and Max as well, the, the classic uh, Sam and Max series, and mm-hmm. they also uh, uh, did some other properties in between. But ultimately, what I think was really strong with Telltale from day one was story, not necessarily mechanics. And that's what made some of these early games mm-hmm. tough to kind of get through. <laughs> and I will spare people of the uh, the absolute pain and anguish that CSI left with me because uh, I had to build some walls up around that, around that memory. <laughs> oof, oof. Shut it off just like Puss in Boots. <sighs> <laughs> Going for the deep cuts tonight, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Damn. It'll make make you relive like all the the sadness of like the Macho Man dying is like you what you have to do with video games right now. I've only broke two controllers in my professional career, one by accident and one intentionally, and the intentional one belongs to Puss in Boots. <laughs> one day we'll get there, but it's not tonight. Mm-hmm. So we get through what I would say kind of a trial period for Telltale Games, okay? Which brings us to 2012 officially in the, in the Walking Dead series. And for a lot of folks, they were kind of thinking when this came out, like, hold on a second. Didn't we just get Walking Dead in 2010 as a TV show? And it's like, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, we did. Bet you did. Yeah, but what's important about this game is that it doesn't have anything to do with the TV show. It actually acts as a prequel to the comic book series because that was the easier way for them to adapt a story without infringing on too much of like the main characters of the TV show. So, yeah. Which really, when you are looking at a, a video game developer genre that pretty much relies on telling a good story to have a good game, because like we said, sometimes the gameplay takes a backseat on these. 
uh, you really need character development to work. You really need to buy into what the characters are trying to accomplish. And you need to be able to almost be able to feel yourself in the game and empathizing with the characters uh, that are here through the choices that you're making for them. So if you try and limit them to the show or in many ways the, the graphic novel, because we can even, even with the show, we can see how the show immediately takes a hard zig where the comic book zagged um, a few times. But them making that choice was so smart to basically say, we're going to take the name, we're going to have it live in the same world, but we're going to tell our story and kind of like do a nice thing, like basically have cameos of major of a few major characters weave their way in and out of the story so mm-hmm. that you can kind of see what they're doing uh, before they got to hang out with, with Coral and Rick. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like great move. And it, it's definitely one where I think if you, you play the game, you will not be upset that the studio took that direction. I agree with that completely. And I think that's what happens when you actually bring creators together like Robert Kirkman and the comic uh, studio Skybound Entertainment that obviously made the Walking Dead comics. And bringing that pairing together, I think, allowed for this to really have like the the right soup, I guess. You know, like you've Mm -hmm. got the right people in the right room and Kirkman's got like a pretty strong way, you know, hey, do it this way, please. And let's see what happens, right? And I, I think that was probably the reason why we get such a strong foundation for this. Because so many times, I mean, hell, even with like Game of Thrones, George R. R. Martin is attached to the show, but they're using like a liaison who's like an expert for him, like one of his understudies. Mm-hmm. And that shit went downhill fast. Yeah. Yes, it <laughs> so, did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the story of this... Uh, this game getting made. It actually relied on Robert Kirkman having knowledge of Telltale Games because of their uh, Strong Bad video games that they made. If you guys remember Strong Bad, this mm-hmm. is this is like ancient internet history now. <laughs> yep, um, you can do the Trogdor area, um, HomestarRunner.com for those of you who remember. Again, really trying to make you feel old tonight. That yeah. is priority one of a retro review. If you do not feel just a tad ancient if you don't get a few aches in your joints while listening to one of these episodes we haven't done our jobs <laughs> yes my my legs and my back i can feel them right now <laughs> yeah dude it's it's funny that that's that's how this began though like this began with the fact that robert kirkman knew about these games and him and, and the ceo dan connors of telltale games get together they start throwing down and so really the only things that, that Kirkman put out there was no Rick Grimes whatsoever. You got to have new characters and let me mm-hmm. see what happens. And guess what? As soon as Robert Kirkman was able to see the finished copy of this game, his exact words by multiple people was, holy shit, guys, you did it. <laughs> That's, and that... That is incredibly rare, I think, for like a comic writer of like Kirkman's acclaim to mm-hmm. actually say that about work done based off of what they had, whether it's a direct adaptation or like a spin-off or um I know this would this be considered a spin-off or like an offshoot or I so guess a prequel. It, we said it was a prequel, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cuz it, it, mm-hmm. it is a prequel in a sense because you technically get to experience some of the same timeline that the comics shed light on, as well as the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think simplification, we call it a prequel, but it is a spinoff that takes place in the exact same comic universe as The Walking Dead. Yeah. So, yeah. and again, like the fact that Kirkman actually loved it um, is, I think, just goes worlds to say how great this series is, uh, these episodes are. Because all I can think of is if, uh, like, Alan Moore wrote The Walking Dead and we got the same thing, he might be like, nah, guys, this is bullshit. It's derivative. He just hates it. Uh, can't believe they made it. But he's going to still accept money from it because um, he's Alan fucking Moore. Yeah, and, and I think, once again, in the spirit of these retro reviews, what we want to do is help paint a picture for you without giving too much away. Because believe it or not, there are people that are still discovering these games. 
you know, even 10 years later. There's remastered versions of them. You can find them on every modern console, right? So here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of the plot the themes. We're not going to get too far into it. Mm-mm. But I think what we start off with, though, is the most compelling thing about most zombie properties. And that's getting thrown into a little bit of that pre-apocalypse time, right? Yeah, where you, you get to basically see life being normal, and then you get to see shit hit the fan. And you get to see, um, basically, society as we know it begin to crumble. And that's, I mean, it's something they, they do great in The Last of Us. It's, something, it's definitely something they do great here in this game. I, I totally agree. And I think that's what kind of pulled me in so fast was that it's not so much that you want to live your life through the video game and be like, yeah, I just want to live, you know, I want to take the main character Lee Everett and go shopping and go pick up some groceries, you know, and have a dinner at Applebee's, yell at my waitress and all that good stuff. <laughs> you just, what, what you want to do though is just get a baseline for what people think life is. And so mm-hmm. when you start the game off, you, you literally have this awkward, and this is not spoiler alert because this is the first like three minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. You had this awkward exchange between Lee, who you find out had just murdered a congressman who was sleeping with his wife. And then, once again, I don't really, that's not even really a crime if you ask me, but, yeah. but anyway, he's talking to this police officer as he's being escorted to prison. And, which I assume actually, Joe, is the same prison that the group will end up finding later on, by the way. I, I don't think that's that's much of a stretch. And I'm, I mean, I'm even going to say a uh, secret thing. Uh, Rick Grimes was supposed to be the officer taking him in, but his accident had prevented it from happening. You know, that would be interesting if it were. But uh, I don't think he was actually a police officer for Atlanta, though. He was no, for one wasn't of the... he? Oh, yeah, he was a smaller town, wasn't he? Because yeah. he rides into Atlanta, yeah. But you never know. I mean, yeah. anything could happen. But I mean, but that's that's where you start off, though. You actually start off with just a pretty plain conversation between a police officer and Lee. And so you get little bits of flavor here and there. And what I really love about th- these games in general, you have a limited amount of time to respond to any questions that you get. So sometimes they're low effort, you know, just conversation based mm-hmm. things, right? Even early on in this game, when you're making a conversation, there are things that you want to say that will like really shoot past standard conversations. We're talking like four or Mm -hmm. five beers at the bar at this point. You're saying these things. (laughs) Yeah. Pure asshole run. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or really deep cuts. And even if you try to do that early on, even Lee stops himself and he just goes, (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) I can't get into that that shit today. We're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I, I think what was really cool about that, because once again, this is like the first five minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. It does a really good job of like showing that that this guy has gone through a pretty shitty situation. But even then, he still has the manners to kind of hold back and go, yeah, we're not going to get into that. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, which which really tells you just how much like real life this pretty much is until that cop hits a zombie at full speed and goes flying off the, the highway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's so, when things notice to become very much not real life. Exactly, exactly. And Joe, this is like the start of the where you start to feel pressure in this game. You're not even ten minutes into it, and suddenly the police officer was thrown from the vehicle. He's he's very clearly dead. But there's mm-hmm. a part where you you actually laughed in the beginning of this uh, when. He's like shouting at the cop, and like he's there's a pull up behind him. It's like, are you okay? okay. <laughs> <laughs> I lost it right there because I missed something very crucial to make that to, to like I missed something very crucial that would have made like anyone else not laugh who was actually paying attention to everything that was going on the screen. <laughs> but I completely missed it, so I just saw him. Staring at the old man, officers sitting in a pool of his blood. Are you okay? Yeah. No, yeah. he's not okay. <laughs> yeah, this guy's clearly mangled and like oh his, his like, arm is twisted up behind him. And, <laughs> yeah, and and Joe picked the "Are you okay?" comment. <laughs> I, I feel like that has to be in every zombie movie mm-hmm. show, though, because it's like for some reason, 
every time there's a zombie apocalypse in a property, it's like somebody has never heard of one before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. It's always like, though, this was just, and every, like you said, every zombie movie, uh, no one has ever, like, they've never been in another movie. They've never been in a cartoon. They've never been in a comic book. Zombies are a completely non existent idea oh, yeah. or thought until they actually happen. And to the point where everybody has to come up with different terminology for what to call them, you know, not, not just this, but I mean, mm -hmm. pretty much every, uh, like Shaun of the Dead, they don't call them that Zed, Zed word, you know, don't call them zombies. <laughs> and, and The Walking mm -hmm. Dead has walkers, they have geeks, mm -hmm. uh, they have roamers. I mean, all kinds of different things come out of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, though, that's where this, this, this game begins. You go rolling off the highway. And then suddenly, what would appear but a, a little scared girl, middle of the forest, that you end up meeting. And really, for those who may have seen this game show up in a review, or you might have seen a YouTube video or something, mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to figure out that the biggest strength of this game is the relationship between Lee Everett, the main character, and Clementine, this little mm -hmm. girl that you you end up finding... Uh, who who's somehow survived uh, one of the earliest zombies in this apocalypse on her own. And yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say like, again, like uh, think of like, even like, it's not necessarily the, like the best comparison, but think even like Logan, uh, if you, if you're familiar with that movie where you've got old Wolver old man, Logan, uh, old man, Wolverine, uh, escorting or trying to get a young, a young girl, from one part of the country to the next, uh, through like a basically wasteland filled with people trying to kill them. And you, you have sort of that relationship, but not quite the same because in Logan, you have it clearly Logan was doing this as a job. He doesn't really want to do it. Um, and it takes a while for him to buy into what he's doing. Uh, and in here, we don't necessarily have that. But we do have it where the bond does strengthen as the story goes along in, a, in, a, in that, that kind of somewhat similar fashion. Because when you meet Clementine, uh, you don't have distrust between the two. You don't have any sort of um, say like hatred between the two of them or on one part of the table. Uh, you're very much just two people trying to survive this and they empath they empathize with each other for similar yet different reasons and eventually that empathy you see that grows into a legitimate like caring for each other as opposed to just necessarily uh, maybe not necessarily feeling sorry for the other i think it's a very uh, important thing to spend time analyzing because a lot of people have done this throughout the years think about other games you've played where there's a child character Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's like the built-in follow slash fetch quests. You know, they're typically annoying. They're, mm -hmm. they're not very fun to be around. They're not very well acted too. a lot of times. No, you know? no, I mean, and... they're all like, I'll do a spin. That's a cool trick. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. awful. Yeah. Yeah. They're usually not very well acted. But yeah, to your point, though, the character of Lee Everett, like we mentioned, him and his wife are no longer together because he kind of killed somebody. Yeah. And he's kind of thought about wanting to have kids before, but obviously never did. So mm -hmm. him and him and Clementine meeting, you're you're totally right. Like it ends up becoming less about like father daughter relationship in the beginning, but more just mm -hmm. the role of protector, which is a a much different thing. Like Lee kind of tells himself, I'm "Gonna protect this child at all costs," mm -hmm. and then kind of learns the rest of it learns how to take care of her, learns how to, you know, love her, you know? Yeah. Like all that stuff he picks up as he goes. And so you truly get to grow with this character mm -hmm. as he grows with Clementine and how Clementine grows with him, you know, vice versa. Yeah. So, and uh, if you have played the game, I'd love to hear like your differences in like how you developed your relationship with Clementine as opposed to mine, because when you Obviously, when your past does come up with her, you have the option of basically just flat out lying to her, or you have the option of not quite telling her that I don't say not quite telling her the truth, but not giving her the whole story, but implying that you had done something wrong. And I went from the standpoint of like, I saw this kid 
And I'm like, I can't lie to this kid. Who's going to lie to this kid? Are you kidding me? Clementine's such a good-hearted, adorable little girl. Like, you're not going to lie to her. You're an asshole if you lie to this kid. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, nope. I'm like, hey, I did something bad. And that's where we have to leave it for now. And as the story goes on, and this is what I love, like, especially the way I played through it, is because, like, you didn't fully keep her in the dark and you weren't all like, no, no, no. I was wrongfully accused or I never did anything wrong or anything like that. Like that blow is softer on Clementine and she comes to basically an understanding where she like doesn't hate you for keeping her slightly in the dark. So I'd be interested to see like, or hear from anyone who like, no, no, I lied to her and then <laughs> see what happened uh, when Clementine actually found out what, what Lee had done before they'd met. Which is a really compelling part of not just the relationship with Clementine, but also the relationship with the group of survivors that you meet mm -hmm. as you, you know, navigate through some of these, these storylines and locations, because she's not the only person that you have to explain your past to. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a zombie apocalypse, killing people may be a good trait to kind of ha have, on, you know, under your belt, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And e yeah. even though this is a zombie apocalypse, it still has to be a drama to some degree. Otherwise, you don't get invested into the characters. Because, I mean, I don't know. Like, realistically, I think when the world goes to shit, a lot of people might not care what you had done before <laughs> that happened. Um, whereas, I don't know, in this game, like, they have to care to some degree because it does create tension among the cast. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, I haven't gone through an apocalypse where I met some guy who killed another person when it was still thought of as wrong. And even that, I should take that back, because even in the zombie apocalypse, maybe we shouldn't be killing each other. We should probably focus on just killing the zombies. Um, but yeah, no. Um, them keeping it around and not just kind of either sweeping it under the rug by having the character say, oh, it doesn't matter what you did, this is the world we live in now, does create compelling story for you to go through. And it's not like... I would say, like, CW, like, drama over, like, oh, no, we keep, keep keeping secrets from the group. Hark, how could that go wrong this week? Um, it, it is something that actually has weight because it isn't given to all of the characters at the same time. And yeah. you get to see others, like, kind of like how they all deal with it one at a time as they begin to figure out, or they begin to find out what Lee had done. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, the level of drama does shift between each different person because one of the characters in the game, Carly, she is an actual former reporter, you know, who is out there in the field, you know, uh, capturing the news. She knows who he is because she obviously works in information dealing. So mm -hmm. she right away confronts him about it, but she's fine with it. Yeah. She doesn't actually have any issue, mm -hmm. but other characters in the group do know and they care a little bit more. And they might hold a grudge or two. And so what that kind of leads into, Joe, is the whole point of what Telltale Games meant to do here, which was to often give you choices. Typically, none of those choices are the ones that you want to make. No, they do that very well. And which also makes the, the limited time that you have to actually pick a choice go by that much faster because you don't necessarily want to do the options that they have and not in like a way over like, this is dumb. I don't want to play it. Like, I don't think I'd realistically say any of these. It's like, no, no, no. Here are two legitimately hard choices to make, but they have to be made. And from the scenario when they, a lot of times when they drop you in on a scenario, I would think that in that heat of the moment, like scenario, like uh, thing, uh, those are kind of the two blunt choices that would come to my head, and I don't want to do either of them, but have to do one. So the game does a really good job of making those choices realistic and very, very difficult to make in, I think, what is it, like seven seconds? Ten, maybe? It's it's very short, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I, I agree with you that uh, you usually don't ever have a choice to make that's like the clear cut one or um you know they were inspired by mass effect if you've ever played mass effect the dialogue trees typically have like a good and a bad result right mm -hmm. they're they're color coded you know exactly which one kind of leads to which 
And then you kind of have like the morally gray stuff. In this game, every decision is gray. Yep. <laughs> there's there's not usually like a, I'm going to do my good playthrough this time or my bad playthrough. It's like, <laughs> no, you have difficult decisions to make. And Telltale Games did that deliberately because yeah. each episode has five decisions that act as trees for the larger narrative of the episode. So what they did is track every one of these decisions and then tell you how you did it based on how or weighted against everybody else, mm -hmm. which was kind of eye-opening at times. You know, I, I find out yeah. that I would, you, know, you pick somebody to survive that nobody else did, you mm -hmm. know, maybe you backed yeah. in a character that nobody else wanted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, definitely yeah. In, in this game, it, there's no like, am I the drama? Am I the villain? No, other people had to have made this choice too. Uh, because again, like you said, everything's kind of morally gray. Uh, it is either uh, this person gets killed because I decided to help someone else, or they live because I helped them and then the other person died. Uh, you don't have like these clear good or bad motives like you said so like if you even you compare this to later series like batman uh like i remember like strictly there's a there's a point where you're like basically hoisting a villain up over the ledge of a building and you can either toss him to gordon who's at this time like you don't have a good relationship with uh with one member of the police let alone any of them so you can either toss it back to him and begin to build that relationship of i'm still scary but i will play ball with things here and there or you can impale him on some rebar where he still lives, but it hurts him really, really bad. And then you jump off. So you can have like kind of like this really scary Batman playthrough or a uh, I'm still scary, but I'm also a good guy playthrough. This game doesn't do things to you like that. Yeah. Yeah. What this game ends up doing is usually the choices that you end up making in smaller ways contribute to it's like a point system like a relationship scale with each character. And so whenever you, maybe you don't back up somebody in argument or, you know, maybe you choose to support going a direction that somebody else doesn't want to, mm -hmm. all of those things in some way or another will come back to bite you. You know, people like to complain about that fact, like, oh, it doesn't really change the game all that much. It's mm -hmm. like, Ultimately, yeah, you're still playing a game that was designed by people that has a clear like beginning and end. Mm -hmm. But usually you don't have that much variance in how you get there. Mm -hmm. And so that's what made this game really unique was that you did, like you mentioned earlier, you do feel like you actually have maybe not customization, but you do have growth with the character and the people that they engage with because of those choices. Yeah. And speaking of choices, I'm also going to choose to believe that when you said things will come back to bite you later, that that was a pun on the whole zombie thing that's going on right now. I may not be right, but again, my choice, and that is to always intend the pun. You know what? I don't do puns very much on this show or program. <laughs> I've never been known to do puns before in my life. But yes, that's totally a pun. <laughs> <laughs> totally a pun but yeah but yeah ultimately i think that's what is one of the most compelling things about this game joe is that mm -hmm. you do get to see day one apocalypse and you get to see the differences between not just the main character but the other people and how the journey changes each one of them yeah and and as you go i mean gut-wrenching moments after gut-wrenching moment mm -hmm. and they do end eventually, but it's a hell of a ride getting there. Oh, yeah. And one one appreciation that I, I really liked about this game as you continue to play through episode one and then into eventually, you know, the later episodes, uh, when you talk about, like, your relationships with the other characters in the game, one thing I really liked seeing is the difference between you meeting someone new at the start of the apocalypse versus you meeting someone new months into the apocalypse or years into the apocalypse and how it is a very, very different uh, icebreaker scenario when things have had a chance to go for a while. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I completely agree with that because uh, even in episode two and three 
uh, of just the first season because there's five episodes a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, for the exception of season four, there's four episodes. But when, like, it's a really good point you make because when you're scavenging in the beginning, you know, it's like we've only been at this for a few days, you know, let's have a protein bar, let's go find the cheese and crackers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you run across other people who are getting attacked by zombies and you have to make the decision do I let that person just be a distraction for me or do I try to save them, ease their suffering? Mm. And and that's only like a weeks at a time, maybe a month at best in the survival mm-hmm. sense. And it's like, it's like, wow, I did not see that coming based off the decisions no. I made in episode one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no. totally, totally a, a big, uh, a big part of that is, is just seeing how much you change episode to episode. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, I think I think it may be time for us to get to the actual rating of this game. So, breaking things down and I think really the only way to go when having a ranking a ranking system for The Walking Dead is to give this anywhere between 0 to 5 walkers as we as we progress through our our judgment upon this old game. All right, we've got we've got a, a possible score out of five walkers, which brings us to the first metric, which is graphics. So, Joe, mm-hmm. out of a possible five, where do you think graphics falls for this game? Um, looking at it now, and I, like looking back on it, saying this was made ten years ago, I'm not going to be like in the realm of like, well, they they still hold up. I, I shouldn't say that because they don't look bad. I think the graphics hold up watching the like playing the game now just as they as they were back then i think that's due to the style that was chosen for this game uh, along with many other telltale games if you haven't played them before they don't try to go for like next gen hyper realistic graphics for the time where you can go back and look like oh hey look playstation 2 was next gen really cool for the time but when they tried making realistic it doesn't hold up they definitely go for more of a comic book or cartoon-like feel in what they're doing for the graphics. So it makes it so it's really easy to play through, like, visually the whole time. It's not um, overstimulating or over the top. Um, I'm trying to remember, like, looking at it, like, I can't, like, think of times where, like, things didn't render quickly enough. Or, like, uh, it looked like some parts, like, even, like, say, like, the, um, like, the movie parts looked dramatically better than the gameplay parts. They, they did a really good job of keeping those truly really close to each other. So retroactively, perfect style to have chosen for this, but I'd say maybe 4.5 walkers out of 5 for graphics. Oh, wow. I didn't think you'd end up there because I thought you were going to be a lot harsher on the on the back end of that comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was... I don't know. Like, again, like I just think like... I think like Wind Waker. Like Wind Waker is brilliant to me because... They chose to go with cell shading. It wasn't as amazingly beautiful as you could make it with even like you know our, our little friend the purple lunchbox could have made at the time, but it was a stylistic choice where you can play that game now on the GameCube where it will look the same without a, like a HD remaster, and it's still just as fun to look at because it went yeah. for more of a playful cartoony look. And while this isn't certainly it's not playful, it is a easily digestible format visually for you to to play through and look at while the entire time that you're playing this game for several hours and hours in a single sitting so because of that i i'm saying high score because you made a good choice where your game will hold up 10 and i'll say even maybe 15 20 years down the line and i i agree with that because i think graphically we get a level of inception here because we are playing The Walking Dead in the comic book universe, and we get cel-shaded graphics that mimic a comic book. Mm-hmm. So I think graphically, appearance is fantastic. Yeah. Now, since I did play this game, you know, uh, as it was released, episode at a time, there were some issues as they released the game. And this is uh, one thing okay. I will knock against them on this, because... Uh, if you didn't know this, The Walking Dead and Telltale Games ran into some problems because they were actually writing the narratives as the games were coming out, right? They had a plan, 
but they were changing the narratives because of that. So it led to some release schedule issues and graphics did have some problems rendering in the beginning. So oh. yeah, when you're playing the game, some weird stuff would happen. Sometimes the cell shading wouldn't be there and you'd be playing like a smooth version of the game. So I'm not going to dock it on the graphics because that I just want to mention mm -hmm. it up for context. So well, I mean, that, that also little known fact, one of the lead writers on this was Peyton Manning, and he was just calling audibles left and right, just <laughs> yeah. zingers and throwing people like, you know what, good decision in the long run, but holy crap, man, a little more notice would be great. Honestly, I've done this with the other retro reviews, and I look at it in the vacuum of 2012 and what was happening during the time the game came out. This was... A, a triumph for Telltale Games, even given what they had done before. Because you mentioned it early on. They weren't going for graphics a lot. They were just going for stories. And they would look clunky mm -hmm. and weird at times. So I agree with you. I think 4.5 out of 5 is a very accurate rating because it was different. You know, it was unique. And it was done well. So, yeah, yeah totally. On the gameplay side here, now this is a... A metric, Joe, that you and I have absolutely tanked some games on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> classics classics of the genre have taken a beating on the gameplay side of this. Now, we could rate gameplay based off of complexity. We could mm -hmm. rate it based off of uh, how clean we think things were done. But gameplay here is a really important factor because of the fact that there's so many different ways that your decisions can impact what goes on. Mm -hmm. So for me, even though uh, it could seem like it's pretty obvious that you just have to make choices and then you see what happens with them. To me, it, it's all part of a larger, you know, thought out narrative to an extent. I know I just docked it a little bit, but the finished product was a lot different, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think the gameplay for me, because I did get sucked in. Like the story that they built, the choices that I had to invest in mm -hmm. really kept that gameplay strong. I wanted to know what happened next. And as I played this and I had to wait two or three months at a time, it was killing me to get to the next gameplay. I was addicted to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it a four and a half because ah. a lot of people hadn't played Telltale games at this point in mm -hmm. time. I had... And even I thought this was the best thing they had ever done, despite some of the best stuff they'd already made before. So, yeah, there's my piece. Very, very respectable. And uh, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Um, in like, I, I do like the appreciation you really have for the game, where you said that like the story and what you wanted to know next is what really helped hold up the gameplay in this. And I argue that that has to be, like, that should be considered a separate metric. Um, because, again, like, someone who, like, my favorite series, Uncharted, like I've said many times, there's a lot of times where, like, the gameplay does take a backseat to the story. You get really, really involved with the characters and what they're going to do next, where you will overlook issues that the game itself may have. And... While this isn't like necessarily like really terrible in any any respect that like I'm saying that the story was so good that we're gonna just completely overlook this like you know big pile of bad that we've attempted to sweep under the rug and then roll up and throw into a closet on us so our parents wouldn't see that we didn't really clean our rooms, but I did think there were some issues with it um I do remember at times tr clearly trying to like select something because like when we say point and click mm. uh there are plenty of times like you know choosing your narrative that's easy to do um uh, making the wrong choice because like you panicked over the amount of time you had left i'm not faulting the game for that that's clearly my my inability to make a, a really tough decision over who's going to die fast enough um but there are even times where like the point and click of you actually get to walk the character around interact with things on the map or in the world and there were times where I remember specifically struggling, um, trying to do exactly what I wanted to do. And I thought that, okay, well, maybe that's just not a playable thing. And I'd walk around and explore the map, try and find something else. And I'm like, well, I think I'm just stuck here. And then it turned out the thing I wanted to try touching and interacting with 
was what I needed to do. It just, I couldn't interact with it because I was slightly looking at it wrong or I was slightly angled wrong where I couldn't get it. Um, so I remember like having a few of those moments uh, in chapter one and later on in, in the chapters as they came. So I'm going to go a little bit lower and give this a four, four walkers out of five on this one. Not terribly, because again, I'm not saying like the, like you're suffering doing the game playing and walking around the map and uh, exploring and seeing what's going on with the other characters. That's still very, very fun to do. But every once in a while, you will get annoyed when you try to interact with something and you think you can't because you're just angled not just quite right the way you need to. I do want to give a rebuttal in the lawyer sense here because that is what the spirit of a point-and-click action-adventure game is. I mean, mm -hmm. seriously, it is. You, you end up taking more time discovering the game beyond just the dialogue. And, yeah, I, I can agree with you to an extent that, yeah, sometimes if you didn't click or if you didn't hover at just the right spot, yes, it could be frustrating, right? Um, I, and I'll, I'll recognize that. Like, there are people that can get frustrated by that and rage quit and just go, I can't figure this out. Mm -hmm. That's fine, right? But the, the thing I will say as a caveat to that is that Telltale Games usually didn't set you back incredibly far should you fail. You know, if you didn't get something right, they would only take you back a little bit. And once again, Joe, rebuttal, because Uncharted will fuck you big time if you screw up. <laughs> That's true. I, yep, you, not, not you have to go back a lot it, farther than that. <laughs> not only have I seen it happen to you, I've seen it happen to plenty of streamers online where, like, mm -hmm. they get, like, 80% of through something, they die, and then they got to restart the entire the goddamn back, yeah. section. Mm -hmm. So... That is one thing I, I wanted to just throw out there because it's true. These are the people from Lucasfilm or LucasArts that were making games where you didn't die. It was about discoverability. It, it was not about killing you endless times. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. sorry. I just had to, Joe. I had to, <laughs> I had to stand up for my half a point. All right. So replay value, Joe. Let's get mm -hmm. to it. How many walkers would you give this on replay? Uh, this one I think is interesting because, like, I'm – Clearly, I haven't made it all the way through the series, but if we look at just episode one, uh, I think this is where, like, the games could suffer a little bit because, like, they are so story-focused um, that sometimes it could feel like reading the same book a couple times or reading it more than once. And some people can. Some people have read Harry Potter, like, five times through. And they love it every time they read through it. Um, I know, like, I have, like, a like a favorite movie. I'll watch Aliens endlessly uh, because I love that movie. And I'll watch the, 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 the director's cut every time I watch it. So I'm, I'm good for three-plus hours of, of Aliens. Um, and the thing is, if you play this game and you don't love it, I think it'd be pretty hard to go back and play it again just for the story. But at the same time, the thing that offsets that is the fact that you can choose different things and play through it multiple times and not arrive at the same place you did the first time. So this is where I think we get that bit of a balancing act over replayability. And I'm going to go relatively high with I, I'm going to go high with this and say the replayability of this one because me thinking now, would I go back and play episode one again? Not yet, because I'd like to finish four and five. But when I do, I would go back and replay one and try choosing something completely different than I did before. And because you don't always just have, like, you know, one or two choices for everything that comes up, you've got a massive combination of different choices you could make. So I'm going to say replayability on this one, four and a half walkers out of five. Very nice. So... Obviously, I agree with a lot of things you said. What I will add to it is that it's not just the decisions that you make that you thought you were doing the opposite of on a replay. Because mm -hmm. I've replayed every season of The Walking Dead from one through four. The, the first one I played probably about 10, 12 times. Okay. So I've, I've had mm -hmm. a lot of dash time with, with season one. Even the choices that you make when you think you're just doing something a little bit different don't actually get you all the way there 
in terms of a full replay. Like, like what I'm trying to say is if you think you're doing the opposite thing, sometimes it doesn't always end in the truly opposite result. So there are some characters in the game where if you think you're doing the opposite thing, it can lead to them going, you didn't do this for me. I'm not doing this for you now. And it's, it was just as much as a simple decision that can shift that critically. So that's why I think there's so many dimensions to a replay on this game, because if you want to support one character, maybe you didn't support them fully the way that they needed, and that'll change the ending of the game. So there's a lot to unbox. I say that a lot. Uh, <laughs> one thing I will say, which I want to use as a justification for the rating I'm about to give, is there is a joke hidden within the, the Walking Dead games specific to a programmer named Randy Tudor. And this Easter egg lives in the series only if you fuck around way too much. <laughs> okay. And I'm not going to tell people where these Easter eggs are, but I will tell you what it is. So if you engage with characters too much when you're trying to get through a situation, there's a time when a character will stop and look directly at the screen. In this case, it's Lee in the first season. He'll go, Randy Tudor, good man, damn fine man, powerful stash, one of the greats. <laughs> and I've played the game about nine times, Joe, before I even found that. <laughs> oh my god, that's I, I had no idea that was even in the game. Mm -hmm. I had just I just one time I just clicked that dialogue option too many times to talk to somebody and suddenly mm -hmm. Lee is monologuing into the screen. <laughs> so it's like who's Randy Tudor? Who the fuck is this what guy? Is that? <laughs> Bam fine man, fine stash. And I'm like, what is this? So there's a lot you can find even if you're not like going after just the story. So mm -hmm. of course I'm giving this a 5.0 out of five walkers because there is so much more you can do beyond just what you perceive to be vanilla. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But anyway, I would say after, yeah. after that, I think there's, if you were going to give it anything less than a five, I was going to have to rebuttal you and say <laughs> that there's no way you could give it less than a perfect score based off of what you just told us all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What you just said is factually incorrect, sir. Yes. Yeah. It's you told us one thing and then you gave us something that doesn't make sense afterwards. They don't, work with each other and you got to make that happen. For me though, graphics gameplay, they all call up to replay value for this series. They do. They all play together. They all do. And so that's why replay value gets a perfect five for me because while you may be able to dock certain things about those first two metrics, this is what they call up to. Like this is mm -hmm. the grand narrative, which brings us of course to another metric that has tanked certain games in our retro review series. Uh, Tomb Raider. I'll never forget you. <sighs> yes. Yes. Tomb Raider and even Star Fox mm -hmm. 64 to an extent. Yeah. But yes, The Walking Dead by Telltale, one of the things that will always stick with me is the music. The yeah. music from this series is riveting. It is well made. It is very, very seldom inappropriate or like you know, awkward or ill-timed or like eyebrow raising at certain points. And the theme as well as a very major part towards the end of it, it's like, I, I just call it the, uh, the Lee and Clementine theme. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the main, it's like the main theme to the series. And it kind of has like a Hans Zimmer inception time, the, 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 uh, track time. If you've ever heard that by Hans Zimmer. It has this really slow build kind of rolling effect, you know, as far as like tone goes. And it, it honestly brought me to tears first time I played it. Not even a joke. It did. By the end of the series, hearing that music, it brought me to tears. It was that good. So I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm giving it a 5.0. 5, 5 yeah. It, it deserves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and while while I can't say that I was moved quite as much as Mark by the music, uh, one thing uh, I guess like I, what I'd like to focus on for this part is that the the music is purely cinematic here, 
And by purely cinematic, I, I'm not saying that you only get music during cinematic cutscenes. No, the music's purely cinematic in the fact that it works just like it does in a movie or a TV series, is that it is scored and made to fit perfectly with every scene in this. And it also does like the same thing we talked about like with Batman the Animated Series, where it knows when music should be there and mm-hmm. when having no music does it even more justice to help yes. build with like an uncertainty of a moment or like the, the scariness of what's going on. And in that case, like while I may not be able to like necessarily other than like obviously the, the Lee Clementine thing, I I can think of that in my head. But I can't necessarily like pick out like a song from it, like from the top of my head. But in the moment of playing the game, like the music heightens what you're experiencing. So like, uh, and I, cause I, I definitely just don't want to come off as hypocritical. Like when we said, like, I, I can't look back and like, remember any of the music from Tomb Raider. So it ended up tanking the game a little bit, but at the same time, while playing Tomb Raider, I don't remember the music making individual scenes better. I don't remember it heightening my experience of playing the game. Whereas this, the music is again, almost like Hans Zimmer, like, uh, or, um, John Williams, where it just really slowly seeps its way into the scene and then elevates you all the way until you hit like a crescendo or a peak of you making a critical decision and yes. then it begins to like fall back down or yes, it begins it to, begins to ebb. Mm-hmm. The pressure so, mounts, the weight of your decision mounts, and mm-hmm. the music plays a ton into that. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So here I'm going to go five walkers out of five. Um, where like, again, like maybe I can't pick out like you play, like my guess is like if you're going to listen to music from this, you'd have difficulty picking it out that it came from the game and not the TV series because it just works so well, just like it does does in the TV show. Yeah, I really agree with you. And, mm-hmm. and I think the point that you really nailed there was the fact that your decisions have that weight of the music kind of being terrifying mm-hmm. if I yeah. don't get this right. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, dude, mm-hmm. totally. It does, it does really, really bring the whole experience together, man. And so... I think it goes without saying that obviously because I do the math in real time and I have a calculator that shows me, uh, this is the best performing retro review that we have done so far. Yeah. That's our thing. Like this has to be high. Oh, yes. <laughs> this has to be the best, if, the best, if not like second place, if it wasn't there. Yes. We've officially given this 37 walkers out of a possible 40 Ooh. and that, that gives us a 92 and a half percent, which officially dethrones Star Fox 64. Which had ninety one point eight eight. Didn't see that happening. Kind of did, no? just because I, I knew the mm-hmm. math. But <laughs> <laughs> so you're the one with the calculator. So if anyone's going to know first, it's probably going to be you. Well, here's the thing. So I think this score is not just appropriate because of what we do with mm-hmm. retro reviews. I think it really plays into the lasting legacy of this game, mm-hmm. and it it doesn't have the legacy of a Star Fox or a Super Mario that has decades of established games that you're behind, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the, the weight of that punch and, and the years behind it. This was a jaw-dropping, you know, like the brakes were slammed, people stopped and went, holy shit, this mm-hmm. game is something different. We haven't seen this yeah. before. You know, it was it was that that impactful. And that's why it got Game of the Year editions. That's why it... It got all these awards and accolades. That's why people like yourselves are trying to track down the voice actors like Dave Fenoy, mm-hmm. Melissa Hutchinson, and our, our friend Gavin Hammond, of course. Yes. They, they just, they did such incredible jobs. Mm-hmm. Everybody did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of what this legacy is, is that if you, like me, like you, like you, you pick this up, 10 years after it came out and you're playing it for the first time. And this is one of those games where you you're playing it and on a more meta side of like how well the game sucked you in. I, I was honestly thinking like, how the hell this game studio go under? How was no one? How, how, how do we not have more people playing this game? How, why was I not playing this game when it came out? Because 
it's just that entertaining. It does such a good job of pulling you in and making you feel like you're there. In the same way, if not better, than when my dad yells at game shows on TV when they don't get the thing, when they don't get the answer right. This pulls you right in and you also don't get the option of yelling at Lee for making a decision that you would have rather had him make before because you did make the decision for him. But I think that's something that this game, if not all of Telltale, uh, going from this point forward, really, really does, is just make you wonder why more of us weren't playing this when it was new uh, and uh, still coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. And with that, folks, of course, we always like to thank you at the end of these programs. So, of course, we're going to say it officially. We thank you for listening to Digital Dissection. And as always, we appreciate everything the Dissection crew does for us week after week. Your support does go a very long way. And if you happen upon this show by accident, why not drop us a review or comment on the show? Or... Send us one of those emails over at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. And I do want to give a shout out to the folks that have been commenting on our YouTube videos. People have been sending in uh, comments, mm-hmm. believe it or not, to the email. It does work. So yes. we, we appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you sounding off with the comments for good or for, for bad. And, mm-hmm. we, and we love seeing you. We do like to apologize that in the Toy Massacre of 86, we sadly, or I rather sadly, made the mistake of saying Hound was the first to fall for the Autobots, when in fact it was Braun, gone but not forgotten. (laughs) So until next time, keep on dissecting.